0: Greetings from Covenant Community of L.A.J. Georgia. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to these messages God has provided to our fellowship from His Word. May He bless you richly as you seek Him. We'd like to invite you to be with us in person someday soon. And for information on that, visit us at covenantcommunityellaj.com. And now, let's open up God's Word.
1: All right, uh... He is risen, and the answer is, He is risen indeed. This is Easter 2020. We're in the middle of the coronavirus scare, but uh, Jesus is still risen, and He is in control. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and today we're going to have a great time together studying His Word and looking into the past, the present, and the future. Uh, Let's pray together. Father, thank you. For your word which tells us where we came from, why we're here, and where we're headed. We thank you that this weekend we celebrate that Jesus Christ, the God-man, came according to prophecy. The descendant of, uh, as you promised, Adam and Eve. The descendant of Abraham. The descendant of David. And even though Satan tried to kill him all through the centuries, he came safely. He lived his life, uh, a perfect life, and died a sinless death for our sin. For our sins. And he is risen again. From the dead. And through faith in him. We are credited with his righteousness. And we have the power of the Holy Spirit. To live a life for you. We thank you. That we can look into the future with anticipation. We don't know what's in the future. But we know that you hold the future. And we've given our lives to you. While we're here. Goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. And then we come. To live in the place you've prepared for us. For eternity. In the new heaven in the new earth wherein just righteousness dwells. There'll be no more sickness, be no more sadness, be no more crying. Thank you for that great firm confidence that we have because of your word. Bless us today now as we study your word. Bless our friends in all the different places where they are. And thank you uh, for our time here together. Thank you for these communication devices that we can reach out and touch each other heart to heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I grew up in Africa and... You tried to be alert, especially where we lived. We lived way out in the bush. There were elephants and lions and leopards and black mambas and uh, all kinds uh, of dangers out there. So if you were walking down a path and suddenly a flock of birds flew up and went off to the side, you had to pay attention. Something was there. It might just be an antelope. It might just be uh, uh, something. But it could be a lion, it could be a leopard. You had to pay attention. uh, A visible sign had come But there was an invisible danger There possibly I've been out on the lake And I've been out on the ocean When suddenly fish start jumping uh, Out of the water And going every which direction Well, you would think If you're a little child Oh, the fish are so happy They want to be out in the sunshine But the truth is Underneath there There may be an alligator Underneath there There may be a shark Something has scared them down below That's invisible to your eyes But which has scared them out And is moving You know Uh, In in our uh, world, there is the visible world around us, and then there's a whole world of the invisible. There are angels. There are demons. There is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There is the devil. And the Bible says the devil is like a roaring lion going about seeking whom he may devour. Uh, I'd like to read to you from uh, Revelation 12, verse 11. Uh, this is, we'll be studying the rest of the chapter briefly, but uh, Hebrews twelve eleven says, They overcame him. The Christians overcame him. The children of God, the people of God, overcame the devil. They overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb. The Lamb, capital L, is Jesus. They overcame him. They overcame Satan. They were victorious over him by the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death three things that we'd like to talk about today. They overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life, even when faced with death. The first Adam uh, was created by God. God breathed into him, and he became a living being. God said, let us make man in our image. And the first Adam came, and God brought Eve to him, And the two of them were supposed to subdue creation, rule over creation. They were God's uh, stewards over all of creation. But Eve, one day, there was one tree they weren't to eat of, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And one day as Eve was there, a serpent came up, and we believe that it was upright at the time, and began talking with her. It tried to distort God's word. It said, did God say you couldn't eat from any tree in the garden? She said, oh, no, no. We can eat from all the trees of the garden. This is the only tree we can't eat of. Satan said, well, why? She said, well, God says that the day we eat of it, we'll die. He said, oh, he denied. He distorted God's word. He denied God's word. He says, no, you won't die. God knows that when you eat of that, you will become like him. Knowing good and evil. Well, that was true. But God didn't want them to know good and evil. That was not for their best. But she caused him; uh, he caused her to doubt God's goodness. He distorted God's word, denied God's word, uh, caused doubt of God's goodness, and then she desired, and then she disobeyed. And the Bible says, "Lust, when it's conceived, brings forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, brings forth death." God said, "The day that you eat of that, you will die." And she disobeyed, and instantly in her spirit there was a separation from her. And God Instantly, a darkness came into her life. And guilt and shame and depression and hopelessness came into her life. Things that began to touch her that she didn't know. And she took the fruit and gave to Adam. Now, Adam knew. He made a rational decision. And he, as God's leader in that situation, he was the federal representative of the human race. And there, a great decision was his. To disobey God or to obey God. And he chose to disobey God. Now, The Bible says, God says that through Adam, as through one man, Adam, sin entered into the world. And death by sin, so death passed all men because all have sinned. So Adam had unforeseen repercussions in nature and in the world. And God came looking for them. Adam, where are you? He knew where they were. He wanted to see if they would come to him. But they were hiding, covering up. And then when they did talk to him, they made excuses. No repentance, no confession, just excuses. The whole visible and invisible world Adam was in charge of went negative. Separate from God. Satan was pleased. And God then said to to Eve and to Adam, I will put enmity between you and the serpent, Satan. Satan. And the woman and her descendants will be enemies with his descendants. The serpent would wound the Messiah, and the Messiah would crush Satan's head. And the battle was on. Satan wants to try to make you think that he's equal to God, but he is not. He was created a mighty angel leading the choirs of heaven in worship. And then, because he was given the ability to choose, he chose. To lead a rebellion against God, to try to replace God, and let them worship Him, and that is His desire at all times—to be worshipped and to be followed. And He swept a third of the uh, angels down with Him. Uh, Revelation 12, uh, verse verse one says, "And a great sign appeared." Now, Revelation 1 through 11 gives a lot of the external things happening in the world at that time, and. Jesus appeared to John to give him a revelation of what was, what was in that time, and then what was to come. And here at Revelation 12, we start into the last part of Revelation, if you divide the book into two halves, the last part, and we see behind the scenes so much that's going on. In Revelation 12:1 it says, a great sign, a mega sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and on her head, a crown, of 12 stars. Now uh, we could have a discussion. But the woman is Israel. The people of God. That through God promised. whom God promised the Messiah. Uh, and, and Genesis 37. You can read the story there. To see if the symbolism matches. Uh, verse 2. And the woman was with child. And she cried out. Being in labor and in pain. To give birth. And then, an, and, and the son that she's giving birth to is, Jesus the Messiah, as we'll see in just a minute. And we see all through history, God promised the Messiah there in Genesis 3.15, promised that he would come to crush Satan's head. But it was a long time till the Messiah came and was born in Bethlehem. And uh, a long, painful history for the Jews to get to Bethlehem. Verse 3, and then another sign, another mega sign uh, uh, appeared in heaven. And behold a great, a big red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns. Some of the heads had more than one horn. And on his heads were seven diadems, seven crowns. Verse 4, And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven. This is talking of the angels that he swept, deceived with him, and brought down. And they became evil spirits, twisted, hating each other, hating God, hating Satan, but in rebellious alliance with him. And he threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman that was about to give birth. And so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. Satan has been trying to destroy God's plan ever since he heard it in the garden of Eden. And she gave birth to a son, a male child. That was Jesus, who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And the prophecies tell us that that is Jesus. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Jesus came. He lived here lived a sinless life, died a sinless death. He died for our sins on the cross. He descended into hell the way I understand it because our penalty was death and hell. And Jesus came to take our penalty, to take everything that sin had caused and to reverse that, to bring that all into himself, to bring it onto himself so that he could give us life. So he died. The source and fountain of life died for us went to hell uh, left the, the thief in paradise which was at that time uh, on the one side of Sheol left the thief there went on down and then on the third day it says Colossians 2:15 he stripped from himself the evil spirits uh, the one or one translation says disarmed but really the evil spirits are not disarmed that word uh, is stripped from himself divested himself of all the evil spirits of Satan and he came up up from the grave he arose. With a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain. And he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Jesus arose from the dead. And we're celebrating that today. That Jesus Christ is risen today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, so all through history. I mean, uh, Cain, uh, Adam and Eve had the first son, Cain. And then they had a brother, Abel. Now Cain uh, brought God gifts that, that God did not want for his sins. And God had already instructed them about sacrifices. And Abel brought a sacrifice that was pleasing to God. And Adam, Cain was very angry. And uh, God said to him, said, Cain, sin is crouching at the door wanting you. Do what I want. You know what I want. Do what I want. You'll be okay. And I'll receive you and accept you. But Cain instead, because he couldn't kill God, went out with his brother and murdered his brother Abel. And Satan thought, well, maybe this ends the line of hope for these people to be delivered. But no, there was another son, Seth. And Seth was a godly man, and he followed after God. But his descendants intermingled with Cain's descendants. And over the, the coming years, pretty soon, the whole world was covered with people who... Uh, the, the world, that area of the world was covered with people who were... Uh, only, the only thought of their heart was only evil continually, uh, the Bible says... And so, they uh, God was sorry that he had made man. And he looked across the earth and decided to destroy the world with a flood of water. But he found one man. Noah found grace. Found favor in the eyes of the Lord. He was a man who was seeking to live righteously before God. And God knew his heart. And he told him, build a boat. And Noah, a preacher of righteousness for 120 years built a big boat according to God's specifications and uh, on, on a day the animals came in there two by two and the clean animals seven by seven and came into the ark and then God closed the door and what had never happened before happened rain began up till then there just been dew on the earth rain began the fountains of the deep were broken up the earth was flooded and all that was left was Adam uh, was uh, Noah and his family his three sons and their wives And they started over again. We fight another big rebellion at the Tower of Babel. The the people said, we will not scatter across the earth. We're going to stay right here together. And we're going to build up our own uh, worship uh, and build up a big tower to heaven. And God came down and confused their languages. And they had to divide up. All through uh, God's history, uh, Satan has been trying to divide people away from God. Well, you come down to a man named Abraham, his daddy was an idol maker and God called Abraham out of where of the Chaldees, and he went out and uh, God promised him that he would have a a son, a descendant through whom all of the nations of the world be blessed and that is our wonderful Lord Jesus who is the savior of everybody in the world who will trust in him. Then uh, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, Jacob went down to Egypt and lived there in the great famine and then they multiplied there and Pharaoh began to oppress them. And was going. he said, kill all the baby boys as they're born, he told the midwives. But instead, the midwives protected them. And he was planning to just kill all the boys, absorb the girls into the Egyptian culture, and the line uh, would be gone again. But God preserved them. With, three, with 12 mighty plagues, he led them out through the Red Sea and out to Mount Sinai. We find as they got ready to leave uh, there in uh, Egypt, The final sign was the Passover lamb. God said, take a lamb uh, uh, that has got no flaws in it and take it, keep it for four days. And then you're to sacrifice that lamb, gather its blood in a basin. And then you take that uh, blood and you take hyssop, which was a common plant there, hyssop, and take it, dip it into it and splash it onto the doorpost. Take that blood. Put it on the right doorpost. Take that blood. Put it on the lintel. Apply the blood. That blood in the basin was not going to do any good. But the blood on the doorpost would cause the angel of death to go by. That was going to go through and kill the firstborn of ever, every man, every family and animal there in Egypt. But if the blood was there. So I'm sure if I was the first, well, I am the firstborn in my house, I would have said to my daddy, be sure. You get lots of blood on the doorpost. I want that angel to see the blood. You see, the blood uh, in, in 1 Corinthians uh, 5, verse 7, it says, Jesus Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. Jesus is our Passover lamb. God created that particular feast so that he could uh, set up for the future for the Lamb of God. John looked at him and said, uh, the uh, prophet John, his first cousin, said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God had a plan as he did that Passover lamb, looking thousand, a couple thousand years down into the future. God has been planning all through history, and he was working there. Well, we find that uh, they applied the blood, and the angel of death went by. And then they remember that each year they would have the Passover. And then when Jesus came, we had the final Passover, the, or the Passover when the real lamb was sacrificed. and We'll read some scripture about that in a little while. So you had Pharaoh, you had Moses. He brought them to the Mount Sinai and there Satan, uh, while he's up receiving the law from God, Satan was at work amongst the people. They had a big uh, riotous party and began worshiping idols again. Corinthians tells us that behind every idol are evil spirits, deceiving spirits. Uh, Then as they came to the promised land, Balaam came out. And he was tempted to try to curse the children of Israel, but God overrode him and made him uh, bless them. Uh, David became the king. Uh, the king just before him, King Saul, was inhabited by evil spirits. He didn't want to follow God, he had no heart for God. He was inhabited by evil spirits and he pursued David, trying to kill him. And God said, From your descendants of Abraham, of David, I will bring the Messiah. Uh, Joash was a, one of the sons of, of the king. Ahab and Jezebel had become the king and the queen. And they had a daughter, Athaliah. And she went, after Ahab died, she went and slaughtered all of the king's sons so that she could be the queen. But she missed one. Joash was hidden in the temple by the priest. And he was then crowned uh, again. Almost the line was wiped out. But God preserved Joash. And the line continued down through You can go down to Esther. Esther was with the Jews in in, uh, the city of Susa there. And uh, the king chose her to be his queen. But then she found out that Haman was planning to destroy all the Jews in the whole territory. And she went into the king and pled for their lives and found favor. And they were spared. And Haman was hanged on his own gallows. And Mordecai, her uncle, raised up to be the king's right-hand man. We go on down to Bethlehem, you find Joseph and Mary, according to the prophecies, the, in Bethlehem. They'd come from Nazareth, but in Bethlehem, they were there for the census that the, uh, the emperor had commanded. And so as they came there, the baby Jesus was born. The wise men came and they said, came to Jerusalem and said, we've seen his star in the east. Where is the king that's born, king of the Jews? Herod heard that, he was really upset. He said, you go find him and then I want to come worship him too. But he really meant to kill him. Well, the wise men were told by an angel to go back home by another way. And so Herod sent his soldiers to kill all of the babies there in Bethlehem, under two years old, uh, which he had ascertained from the wise men. So he said the baby has to be somewhere in that age group. But God had warned Joseph. And during the night, he had fled down to Egypt. And lived there with the gold and frankincense and myrrh that the wise men had brought. And then after a while, when Herod was dead, he came back in and lived in Nazareth. So that the prophecy was fulfilled. Out of Egypt have I called my son. And then he will be a Nazarene. And Jesus, as he grew up and began his ministry, he was baptized. The Holy Spirit came down on him in shape of a dove. And John knew this is the Messiah. God had already revealed to him before, but he confirmed with the sign of the dove, the Holy Spirit coming down on him. And Jesus began his ministry. But as he went into the wilderness, he was there 40 days uh, fasting and praying. And Satan came to tempt him, to try to trip him up, to try to get him to respond to him. He said, I will give you all of the power and glory of the world. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have... Well, I don't think Satan really knew about the cross to tell you the truth uh, because he would not have allowed it. But he said, you can... Be the king anyway. Just bow down to me. And Jesus said, no, be gone. God is the only one that I worship, obey, and uh, serve. Uh, So you find Judas then uh, filled uh, by the devil. Satan enters into Judas and he betrays Jesus. Jesus says he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, bowing there and praying and calling out to God. Sweating as it were great drops of blood and the full power of Satan bearing down on him. And he's on his knees crying out to God. Hebrews says that he was heard because of his great piety. And he prayed there, Lord, I'm about to die here. I'm sweating great drops of blood. Help me. I'm not going to be able to make it to the cross. You've prophesied the cross. I've been telling my brothers here that I'm going to the cross and that I'm going to die on the cross and be raised the third day. Help me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And it says an angel came and strengthened him. And he left the garden and went and was uh, crucified for your sins and for my sins. God used the evil to fulfill the prophecies, uh, evils of those people to fulfill the prophecies that had been made. Uh, 1 Peter 2, 23 is a favorite verse of mine because it says Jesus didn't threaten. Jesus didn't revile them. He didn't. He... He humbled himself, and it says he entrusted himself to him who judges righteously. He entrusted himself to God. You can trust God. You may not understand what's going on all around you, but if you've given your life to him, you're walking in the spirit with him and seeking to please him, then he will guide in your life. And as the Lord Jesus did, you can trust him. John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In Jesus Christ, we have redemption, Ephesians 1, 7. Redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses or our errors and willful transgressions according to the riches of His grace. Now, I'm going to read you several verses here about the blood of Jesus because it said in our text verse, they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb. The the Bible teaches that the life of the flesh is in the blood. When you bleed out, you die. Your spirit and soul leave. Your body. The blood of Jesus Christ when we talk about that is his life given for you and me because he was God. He's worth more than all of us and because he was a man he could come and take on what the first Adam had messed up. What the first Adam had brought into this world. The evil that he brought in. Jesus took all of that into himself and through faith in him and died rose again from the dead and through faith in him our sins are washed away. We are righteous in him. And we have the grace of God the Father, the righteousness of Jesus the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit experiencing that grace uh, in life. God's grace, the desire and the power that God gives us to do His will with joy, the favor of God, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He gives us a new heart, a new mind, a blood transfusion, so to speak, so that we can then become those who seek to please God out of a heart of love and the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we have that power of the Holy Spirit uh, in us. In Hebrews 1, uh, it says that God, who spoke long ago to the fathers, Hebrews 1, verse 1, in the prophets in many portions and many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And Jesus, He is the radiance of God's glory. And the exact representation of His nature. And He upholds all things by the word of His power. And when He had made purification of sins, our sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. The Creator of the universe. Because God loved us. He sent His Son. And Jesus came first of all to please the Father. And then to save us. But it pleased the Father... To save us. And Jesus came. The only way that we could be delivered. From what the first Adam did. The last Adam. Passed the test. And was able to bring redemption. Reconciliation. And restoration. To each of us. Who put our faith in him. And received the Holy Spirit. To live. uh, To to please him. 1 Peter 2.24 says. He made purification of our sins. He himself. Uh, in His bore our sins in His body on the cross, so that we might die, be unresponsive to sin, and live to righteousness, to God's to godly character, and and and, and pleasing God uh, with godly action. To live to righteousness, for by His wounds you were healed, you were cured, you were made whole, restored. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you've returned. You've been converted. Turn back to the Shepherd. The capital S, Shepherd. Jesus. And Guardian of our souls. Hebrews nine twenty eight says, So Christ, God's anointed deliverer, also having been offered to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Says the sins of many. He took all of our sins, but it's only effective for you, just like the blood in the basin was only effective if it was put on the doorposts as God had commanded. Jesus has shed his blood. Jesus has died for your reconciliation but you have to say yes. You have to let him come in and give you a new nature. Let him fill you with his spirit and give you a heart to love God and walk with him. So he came to bear the sins of many and will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who look for him so let me ask you are you looking for him he's coming back for those who have surrendered to him who are looking for him are you eager to see him in 1st Peter uh, chapter 2 1st uh, Peter chapter 1 it says Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who are chosen verse 2 according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit To obey Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled. Remember that hyssop, sprinkling the blood on the door, to be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. 1 Peter 1 3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, through faith in him and his uh, resurrection, to obtain an inheritance. ...which is imperishable, not deteriorating... ...and undefiled, it's unsoiled and pure... uh, ...an inheritance that will not fade away... ...reserved or guarded in heaven for you... ...who are protected by the power of God. You know, if you're in Christ... ...you're like a BB inside a rubber ball... ...nothing can get to the BB that doesn't go through the ball first. You are protected by the power of God... ...through faith for a salvation or a deliverance... ...ready to be revealed at the last time. In this you greatly rejoice... When you see somebody greatly rejoicing, they're jumping for joy. They're exulting. They're so happy and excited. Even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed. You have been saddened by, uh, grieved by various trials. So here, we have trials. Here, we have troubles. But it's just temporary. So that, verse 7, the proof of your faith, the testing of your faith, and the evidence of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable even though tested by fire, may be found to the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, we don't live just for this world. We live knowing that one day Jesus Christ will be coming back. It says in 1 Thessalonians 4, The Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ, those whose bodies are in the ground, their spirits are with Him, says He will bring with Him those that have departed. And they Bodies will be raised up and then be transformed like Jesus' body was transformed to an eternal body that can appear, disappear, move at the speed of thought, still eat. It will be a glorious body. No more sickness, no more sadness, no more sorrow with that. But Jesus will be coming back and we look forward to the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not see Him now, but believe in Him, you greatly rejoice. There's that jump for joy, exaltation. And testified with joy inexpressible. A joy you can't even verbalize. And full of glory. Obtaining is the outcome of your faith. The salvation of your soul. Verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace. To be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. Because it's written, you should be holy, God says, for I am holy. If you address as your Father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear. And that word fear, I looked it up, is is exceeding fear. Uh, it's even terror. You say, well, well, God is my Father. I shouldn't be terrified. There is in, in, in uh, the adoration that we have for him, in the worship that we have for him, there's profound respect mixed with love and awe. And it is that tremendous profound respect during the time of our stay on the earth as his children, knowing that you're not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from your futile way of life inherited from your fathers. You were redeemed. I was redeemed with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. There was no other way. If we could be good enough to get to heaven, God would have let us do that, but there was no other way. Jesus Christ had to come, born of the Virgin Mary, because He couldn't be born of a man, because through the man comes sin into each person. Uh, And so the first Adam brought sin into the world, but the last Adam, through faith in Him, We are redeemed. It's the precious lamb of God. Come to take away the sins of the world. Verse 20. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for your sake. God has always had a plan. The Old Testament looked forward to Jesus. As they sacrificed lambs, goats, cows, they they looked forward to Jesus. But we look back to Jesus. We don't have to sacrifice goats and lambs. The real Lamb of God has come. He has died. He has risen again. We don't need the picture anymore. We have the real thing. Verse 21, 1 Peter 1. Who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. Fervently love one another from the heart. I am so grateful to be a part of a fellowship, and to be in a community here where I have lots of godly friends. And I am fervently loved, and I love them fervently. What a wonderful thing it is to be part of the family of God. Verse 23, You have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. In Luke 22, uh, it says that Satan entered into Judas. And there at the Last Supper, which uh, some of us celebrated yesterday, uh, communion, Jesus said, this is the new covenant in my blood. This is a new covenant with his body given for us. His blood, his life poured out for us so that we could live. It's the new covenant. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and His righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but completely lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. Romans 3.21 says, But now, apart from the law, not my self-effort, not my works, the law was just a mirror to show us how really sinful we were. Apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. When I appear, if you're up knocking at heaven's door and God asks, why should I let you into my perfect heaven? You don't say, well, I did my best. You don't say, well, I want in. You don't say, well, well, I, I, I love you. No. The only way, the only standing we have of righteousness is by faith in Jesus Christ. For all, for even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all those who believe. For there's no distinction. For all who all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You might be better than other people, but you are short of the glory of God. You might have done more than other people, but you are short of the glory of God. And all have sinned and fallen short. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is an eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 24 says, being justified as a gift by His grace. "...through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation, He was a satisfaction in His blood, through faith, which this was to demonstrate His righteousness, because of in the forbearance of God, He passed over the sins previously committed, for demonstration, I say, of His righteousness at the present time, so that He would be just, God is just, and He will always do what is right, and the justifier of the one who has faith, in Jesus. Don't come to God by yourself. Don't come your own way. There is no other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. I am the door. And that's the way you enter in. Billy Sunday said, Sinners can't find God for the same reason criminals can't find a policeman. They're not looking for it. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died For us. Hebrews 10, 1. Says for the law, since it's only a shadow of the good things to come. And not the very form of things. Can never, by the same sacrifices which they offer continually. Year by year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, they would not have ceased to be offered. Because the worshipers, having once been cleansed. Would no longer have consciousness of sins. Those sacrifices didn't work. They were only uh, a looking forward to Jesus. But in those sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins year by year. Listen, for it's impossible, Hebrews ten four 4, for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when He comes, when Jesus comes into the world, He says, sacrifice an offering you've not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In whole bird offerings and sacrifice for sin, you've taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I've come in the scroll of the book, it's written of me, to do your will, O God, as you planned, as you prophesied, and now we're going to perform that. One of the reasons I trust the Bible is all the way through, you see, endless prophecies, uh, prophecies that are coming to pass today that seemed foolish a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, but they're coming to pass just like God said. Hebrews 10.10, by this will we have been sanctified set apart to God through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sin, he said on the cross, it's finished. One sacrifice for sin for all time sat down at the right hand of God for by, by one offering he is perfected for all time, those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us. Uh, say, For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put their, my laws in their heart. You need a heart transplant. I need a heart transplant. I can't live up to my own standards. And I can't live up to God's standards. And so he says, I will put my laws in your heart. You won't have to have them in a book and read them. They will be there because my spirit will be there. My nature will be there. Uh, it's like a pig. You can train a pig, but a pig is still a pig. He's still got that nature. But imagine uh, that, that you could take the pig nature out and put a cat nature in. He would be a different pig. He'd look the same. His friends would think he's the same, but he would act differently. He would have different priorities. He, If he friends talked him into the mud, hey, oi, get down in the mud with us here. He'd get in there a little bit. He'd say, i got to get out of here you think you're better than us? No. I just think differently. I feel differently. I've got a new heart. I've got a new nature. And when you're in Christ, it's not trying to do better. You receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your faith in Him, in His righteousness. And then let His Spirit come into you and give you the power to live a life uh, for Him. So the Holy Spirit says, uh, the Lord says, I will put my laws on their heart and on their mind. I will write them And their sins and lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Praise God for that. We're forgiven. We're cleansed. We're atoned. Our sins are atoned for. The things have been made right. Things have been made right with God through Jesus. Now, where there's forgiveness of these things, there's no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. We've been talking about the blood of Jesus today. His life given. By a new and living way, which He inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, His flesh. He is the way. There is no other way. He is the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by Him. He said, I am the door. By me, you enter in. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled, there's that word again, sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You know, baptism doesn't wash away your sins. Baptism is an external right that demonstrates an internal truth. Going down under the water, we say, I am through with the old life that I directed. My right to myself to do what I want to, when I want to, how I want to. You go under the water, uh... Buried with Christ in baptism and then raised to walk in a new kind of a life, following after God, trusting in the Lord Jesus. The old life is gone, the self-directed, self-serving life, and you're raised to walk a new kind of life in Jesus, by Jesus, and for Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit, uh, as you put your faith in Christ, spiritually baptizes you in to the body of Christ. Let me ask you, we've been talking about the blood. Are you... Washed in the blood of the Lamb? Has that blood been taken out of the basin as it was with the Passover lamb and applied to your life? That's where you live. Uh, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed? In the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom comes, Jesus, will your robes be white? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for his presence bright and be washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside those garments that are stained with sin and be washed. In the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood? In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? I have a little illustration of that for you. You know, Adam, when he uh, was uh, tempted by Satan... To disobey God, Adam made a fatal choice. God said the day that you do that, you will die. Uh, Adam and Eve didn't believe God. They thought God was holding out on them. They chose their own way. And sadly enough, as they did that, into their life there came a great darkness. The life that they had with God uh, was gone. God said you will die. And that day their spirit was separated, died to God. And they became resistant to him, hostile to him. They ran and hid, covered up, and uh, were, were ashamed. And uh, later on came to a very hopeless condition. There was this darkness in, in their life. Then they had a son. Adam and Eve had a son. His name was Cain. And Cain, his life, was... Uh, the, the Bible says, "...as by one man Adam sinned and came into the world, and death by sin..." So death came to all men because all have sinned. And Cain sinned. And Abel sinned. And then much later in, in history, Steve came and Steve sinned many times. And then in history, uh, you came. And this represents the people of the world who whose lives are sinned. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God gave sacrifices that they could bring. Cain says, I don't want to bring the sacrifice you want. I want to bring you my best. I want to bring you what I want to bring you. And God says, I won't accept that. You have to humble yourself, obey me, and do what I said. But Abel said, yes, I'll do that. And he came. And he uh, gave his sacrifice. The sacrifice that he had been told to give. And God accepted his sacrifice, looking forward to Jesus. There came a time when I was seven years old that the African pastor had preached. I grew up in Africa, and he preached the gospel. That afternoon, I was thinking about it as I was playing in the yard with the water hose and playing, making little dams and little rivers and thinking about what he said. And I went in and told my mother and father, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. And they uh, confirmed with me again uh, uh, that I understood as best I could at seven years old. And I remember kneeling at their bedside and asking Jesus to save me. I thank God that He sent His Holy Spirit into me, worked in my life, and I haven't been a perfect person. I haven't done everything and I wish I'd accomplished far more for the Lord. But I thank God that He saved me, that He gave me a love for His Word, a love for His Spirit, and I was able to walk with Him. Well, uh, that day that I gave my life to Jesus, when I asked Him to forgive my sins, then it's the Bible says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow though they be red like crimson they'll be white like snow and you know you have a choice today, you can hear this: Jesus came into the world look back, read, look at the evidence, several people have tried to prove that Jesus didn't exist and that he didn't rise from the dead Uh, the the book Ben-Hur was written by Lou Wallace he went to prove and spent a lot of research to prove that Jesus wasn't real and that he didn't Uh, rise from the dead and through his research he became a Christian and wrote the book Ben-Hur so he could use all his research other people have Lee Strobel uh, saw his wife become a Christian and he loved the change in her but he was afraid she was going to leave him and and be a different completely such a different person to become a nun or something and so he set out to prove that what she believed was wrong and there came a day when he gave his life to Jesus Christ and you can read with great benefit his book uh uh about Jesus Christ, the case for Jesus Christ. You have a choice. Are you a sinner? The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. You're on death row. A lot of people are worried right now about dying from the coronavirus, but they should be even more worried about dying in their sins. Uh, If you're born once, you die twice. You die physically, your spirit and soul leave your body. If you're uh, not a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ, then you will have the second death, which is the separation. It's not an end of your life. It is the separation of your spirit and soul from God forever. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. God loves you. He wants to be in a relationship with you here to give you the strength by the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God to live a life uh, of contentment in a walk with Him peace in your heart, joy in your heart, and the love of God flowing out of your heart. Do you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ? Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I don't have to understand how it all works, but I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to get into the yoke with you. I want to walk step by step with you. I want you to be the leader in my life. I understand from the Bible. I understand from their word that I was created for you. Now, I give myself to you and when you do that you know when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ then you can have the joy of experiencing the the, the life of the Lord Jesus coming into you and and your sins which are many are all washed away in Jesus Christ Phil Driscoll uh, has a song said about Jesus says like a lamb led to the slaughter they led him off to die there was the sounds of swords and soldiers and the shouts of crucify but without a word about it, to the ones who laughed in pride, on a cross, on a hill, between two thieves, Jesus hung his head and died. Well, the earth did shake and tremble, and the sky turned black as night, and the dead came forth to testify of God and all his might, and unto his, uh, of God in all his might, and though they crucified him and sealed him in his tomb, no grave could ever hold him, no stone or burial room on the third day, just like he had promised. In the morning, life filled an empty shell. The body that was cold and still was now alive and well. And unto his disciples an angel came and said, Go, spread the good news. The king's no longer dead. He's alive again. Oh, the stones been rolled away. He's alive again. He's no longer where he lay. He's alive again. Can't you hear the angels say, Let all the world rejoice. He's alive. Let all the world rejoice. Rejoice. Jesus is alive. Nevermore to die. There's another good place to say hallelujah or praise God. The verse 11 that we read there says that there was... uh, they, They overcame the devil and his servants by the blood of the Lamb. And we've been talking about that. And then the next one was the word of their testimony. You know, we read in the Bible the testimony of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Daniel. Testimony of people who walked with God, followed God. Uh, David, Moses, Joshua. Uh, and those testimonies strengthen us. They overcame Him. They're in the tribulation, it tells us, by the, word of their, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. I just want to give you a little bit of how you can organize your testimony if you're a child of God. You say, I don't know how to talk to people about Jesus. Well, here's four points uh, that you could use to help you write down a testimony, uh, a three-minute testimony or a ten-minute testimony, testimonies of how God's worked in your life. First of all, in your testimony would be uh, my life and my attitudes before I followed Christ. My life and attitudes before I followed Christ. What was my life focused? What was I doing? Secondly, how I began to realize that God was speaking to me. So how was my life? What was I doing? And then how is it that I came to realize that God was speaking to me? God was reaching out to me. And then how I became a Christian, a Christ follower, gave my life to Christ. And then what being a Christian means to me. So you have four steps there. Uh, My life and attitudes before I followed Christ, how I realized God was speaking to me, how I gave my life to Jesus Christ and became a Christ follower, and then what being a Christian means to me. So, number one, I needed greater meaning and purpose and the ability to overcome my failings and temper and habits and greed and self-centeredness and my strong desires. I was struggling by myself and I felt like I was going down. God began to speak to me, number two, and to show me His love through maybe a person, maybe through a film, a movie, a a scripture. He began to get through to me. And then, one day, I surrendered to Him. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved Steve, that's my name, that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus. That if Steve would believe in Him, Steve would not have to perish and be separated from God forever, but Steve could have everlasting life. And that's what I've done. God didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved, delivered, brought into a relationship uh, with God. The sin, sin is the big I. I am in the center of my life. I have my right to myself to do what I want to, what I want to, how I want to. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Well, when you realize that your sin's Uh, are destroying you and sin will separate you from God forever and you become convicted of that. You bow before him, confess your sin and call on him to save you, to forgive your sins because of your faith in Jesus Christ. That's what I did. And then he, he will give his Holy Spirit and he'll give you the desire and the power to do God's will with joy. So we have the... Word of our testimony, how God began working in my life through His Spirit, through His Word and the people around me. My relationship with my family changed. How I uh, got money and spent money changed. I had meaning and purpose in life in Christ. I had a new attitude about death. I had a new set of friends who loved me, loved God, and loved His ways. I have a new direction and a power to deal with my problems, frustrations, and failures. First John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God's goal in my life is to make me more and more like Jesus. We, we know that God works together, works all things together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Verse 29, For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. For God so loved Jesus that He decided to make a bunch more just like Him. Praise God for that. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit in my life, God's Word, God's people around me to help me in that work with Him. So God's goal in my life is to make me like Jesus. This is a lifestyle of following Jesus, an ongoing relationship with Him through His Spirit in you and His Word guiding you and the body of believers around you. And so God wants you to tell what he has done for you. Uh, there, in the as, as we close here in the Revelation 12, it says there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels, the archangel, God's angel, leading angel, waging war with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven, and the and the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who's called the devil, which means slanderer, and Satan, the accuser, who deceives. He seduces and lures the whole world away from God. And he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. He was kicked out of the courtroom. He'd been up there accusing us, been up there slandering us. He's kicked out of the courtroom, evicted, thrown down to the earth. And he, it says here, was very angry. Uh, Verse 10, uh, Revelation 12. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation, deliverance, and power Uh, And the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, who accuses them before our God day and night. That's why Jesus is up there interceding for us. As Satan slanders you, as Satan attacks you, he says, yes, but I have paid for their sins. I am dealing with them. And the slanderer and the accuser is silenced. And verse 12, and they overcame him because, verse 11, they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb, because of the word of their testimony, and they didn't love their life even when faced with death. Paul said, For me to live is Christ, and to die is to gain. I don't just lay in the ground there, my body dies, but my spirit goes to be with Jesus. That is uh, a gain. Stephen, uh, one of the early Christians, he had come to Christ. He was a young man. He was serving in the church, full of the Holy Spirit, doing signs and wonders. And he was preaching so strongly and powerfully, they dragged him before the Supreme Court. And they began attacking him and lying about him. And he preached a sermon there. It says in, at the end of uh, Acts 6, his face shined like an angel. And he began his sermon and began preaching and reviewing the history of Israel and all God's kindness to them and their rebellion against him. And they became so angry, they blocked their ears. They gritted their teeth, ran at him and said, Shut him up! They took him, threw him outside, began stoning him. He fell to his knees as the stones were hitting him from angry, violent men. And and the, their coats were laid at the feet of Saul, a young man named Saul, who was a very eminent young man, up and coming, uh, a star amongst the Jewish Pharisees. And they laid their coats there. And they they they... Drew rocks at Stephen as he called on God. And God. he said, oh God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Have mercy on them. Don't hold this sin against them. And then he said, I see Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. Usually Jesus sits at the Father's right hand. But he stood up to welcome his soldier home. And it says Stephen fell asleep. His body died. His spirit went up. Guided and Directed by the angels, the heaven's gates were opened and he came into the presence of God rejoicing, rejoicing. And other soldiers come home and there was a reward for him. Uh, We have the word of testimony. Your life should be a life that has a testimony of what God has done. And then the last thing is they did not fear, uh, didn't count their life precious, uh, even unto death. You know, Satan has been... Uh, a fierce enemy for years. Verse 13 of Revelation 12. When the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, this is during the tribulation, he persecuted the woman who had given birth to the male child. He persecuted the Jews and Israel. And and the two wings of a great eagle were given to the woman so that she could fly into the wilderness. And I know that that you'll be tempted, uh, or some, some will be tempted to say, well that is The the two wings of an eagle, that must be America. But I'd like to read to you Exodus 19. It says, uh, verse 4. You yourselves, God says, have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you'll be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. God says, my protection... The, the plagues that I brought, opening up the Red Sea, the manna from heaven, water from the rock, all those things, I bore you like on eagles' wings. And you know, you can trust God as you live in this life. There was a time when all the apostles were thrown in prison, and the next day they were going to interrogate them. But an angel came during the night, set them free, and says, go down and preach at the temple again. Uh, Peter was arrested. James had been beheaded already, and Herod saw that that pleased the people, so he's going to kill Peter too. Peter was asleep in the jail, and an angel came, woke him up, said, Get up, man, put your shoes on, put your sandals on, put your coat on. And he led him out. The doors just opened up. The doors to the jail, the jailers just stood there. And then as they came into the city, the doors of the city opened up, and he found himself standing in the street there. God is able to deliver. Paul and Silas, they were in a jail. uh, And and they had been led by God to Philippi. And I'll tell you that story in just a minute. So you you want to realize that we have a cruel enemy, Satan. He has killed many people all through the years that followed after God. Uh, Abel was killed right there at the beginning. But Hebrews 11 says, uh, But he being dead still speaks. His testimony still reverberates through testimony. I'd rather die than displease God. Uh, and, and so your testimony is so important. And then that you know God and love God and have such a relationship with Him that you trust Him even in the face of death. 1 First, First Peter 2.23, as I said, Jesus, uh, as He was facing death, uh, entrusted Himself to Him who judges righteously. We don't want to become preoccupied with Satan, but we do want to know that we have a vicious enemy, a powerful spirit. We can't fight in ourselves. But the Bible says be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Greater is the Holy Spirit in us than the spirit that's in the world. As Paul and Silas found themselves led by God to Philippi, cast a demon out of a girl, and then they found themselves in jail, beaten, and hands in stocks and feet in stocks, in prisoners' chains with bleeding stripes. Paul and Silas prayed, That night, And in their pain, they began to sing. Their chains were loosed. And they were free. I bless your name. I bless your name. I give you honor. I give you praise. You are the life, the truth, the way. I bless your name. I bless your name. Some midnight hour, if you should find that you're in a prison in your mind, reach out and praise. Defy those chains and they will fall in Jesus' name. We bless your name. We bless your name. We give you honor. We give you praise. You are the truth, the life, the way. We bless your name. We bless your name. You know, uh, as you read there in uh, Revelation 12, it says, the two wings of a great eagle were given to the woman so she could fly into the wilderness to a place where she was nourished for time, times, and half a time. For three and a half years, she's in a place of supernatural protection. By God from the presence of the serpent. God is able to guide, to provide, to protect. And the serpent poured out water like a river. Now, Revelation 17 15 says that a lot of times rivers and oceans, as they're mentioned in Revelation, are people groups. So I believe that he poured out an army after the woman so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. But the earth opened, helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river. So I think that there will be a huge earthquake, a big uh, chasm, and the whole army will be swallowed up even as Pharaoh's army was swallowed as they went through the Red Sea, which drank up the river which the dragon had poured out. So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children. And who are they? They're the ones who keep commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. We're in a war, y'all, and it's getting clearer and clearer. Things are lining up the way prophecies laid out. We don't quite understand everything, and there are some disagreements, but God has a plan, and He is at work. Second Corinthians 4.4 4 says, The God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so they might not see the light of the good news of the glory of Christ. Who's the image uh, or the visual representation of God? Ephesians 2.1 says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins, Uh, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the sons of disobedience. If you're not for me, Jesus said, you're against me. If you're not on my side, you're on the other side. If you're not a child of God and don't have the Holy Spirit in you, you have the spirit of this world, the spirit of the evil one that works in you and in your life, the spirit now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh. Indulging the desires of the flesh, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, in His great love, for which with which He loved us, sent Jesus for us. First John five nineteen says, "We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one." First Corinthians two fourteen says, "The natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God; they're foolishness to him. He can't even understand it. His spirit's dead to God." Because they are spiritually. And he can't understand them because they're spiritually discerned. The fleshly mind is at enmity against God. Hostility to God. Read in Romans 1 and you'll find out man push away from God. So as we finish today. Easter is about Jesus coming. Satan threw his worst at him all through his life. Satan had tried all through history. To prevent his coming. And then when he came. Tried to destroy him. And then when he was crucified. thought that he had won. But Jesus was working under a great principle that God had. And Jesus gave himself for our sins. God. Jesus was God. Worth more than all the people that ever were. And he was a man. So he could be the last Adam. Bring into himself. All that the first Adam had messed up. All the evil that he brought into this world. Jesus took that. He bled for our sins, died, and through faith and rose again from the dead on the third day, and through faith in Him, our sins are forgiven. Through faith in Him, we are accepted back into the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. His Spirit comes into us, and we are in Christ, and we're new creations. Old things have passed away, everything has become new. I made a decision a long time ago, and I'm thankful for God's work in my life. Today, as we are concerned about the coronavirus, as we're concerned about the possibility of death that could come to anybody's life. Uh, Young people and older people are dying from this, and we're all taking precautions. But you will die someday anyway. The thing that we should be concerned about is the second death. Jesus came so that He could give us joy in the life while we have it here, peace with God and a relationship with Him. And then when we die, that we don't face the second death. Because if you're born once, you die twice. But if you're born twice, born physically and reborn spiritually, born again, you have eternal life. You're born uh, once, you die twice. And if you're born twice, you only die once. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to proclaim your word, your truth, uh, to uh, those who are listening, that you have brought to listen to this word. Father, I thank you that we do not need to be afraid as the battle intensifies, as Satan uh, works all across this world. And brothers and sisters are being killed uh, in in many countries around the world who have their faith in you, the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that you've promised that if we die for you, uh, that there is a martyr's crown, a special reward for any part of our life that is cut short. Uh, in this world, you've told us not to fear the ones who can destroy the body, but to fear those who can destroy. Fear Him who can destroy the body and the spirit in hell. We thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you that He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is our reconciliation, our restoration with you. Thank you that you're my Father through faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that any person here today that that you would have clarified to them what they need to do, and then I pray for those of us that are Christians that we would be trusting. In the blood of Jesus Christ. The Lamb of God. That we would be having testimonies to share with people around us. Of what you've done for us. And that even if we're called to die for your name. That you would give us courage and grace. To live because we love you. Uh, all the way and faithful unto death. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Our Lord and our Savior. Who is the King of Kings. Who is the Lord of Lords. And has all authority in heaven and earth. Amen.
0: We want to thank you one more time for taking the time to listen to these messages that God's provided our fellowship. We believe he's doing something special among us and would love for you to be a part of it. We hope that you'll take the time to come and visit us in person someday soon. And we invite you to visit our website, com. There you'll find information on how to contact us if you have a prayer request or if there's a specific way we can minister to you and your family. Until then, God bless you.